This is the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF. What's happening, guys? It's Wednesday, and you are listening to the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and with me... As always, you know him as the man of the hour, the man with the power at Jerry Sin. Jerry, what's going on tonight, buddy? Nothing. Back from Indy. Uh, it's freezing up here. It was actually sort of nice when I was down there. Got to see Randy Memphis in his natural habitat. Dude, I, 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 I so wish I had had more of a heads up. So uh, some of you may know I, I work in retail, retail management, and this happened to be the one weekend that I was working, and it really sucked because I would have loved to have hung out with you and your buddies. Seemed like you had a couple of nice friends with you. But speaking of friends, um, normally Jerry and I just do the news by ourselves, but we were fortunate enough to have our one of our great guests. So it'll be a little bit different. So one of our two guests is going to jump on with us and do the news. And then uh, on the back half of the show, our current guest and our second guest are going to jump on and do some post-combine review type things and maybe a Superflex mock if we have time, you know this guy as the co-host slash contributor at several things across the Dynasty <laughs> landscape. You uh, Under the Helmet, uh, one of the OGs in the Dynasty podcast and written content. Um, now he's doing stuff with the ffstatistics.com. That's our old friend Addison Hayes. And he also works with uh, SB Nations, the Browns Wire. Uh, you probably just know him as Tim Torch. Tim, welcome to the Dynasty Warzone, sir. Thank you. I, I should really shorten that down because it's always a mouthful for anyone any, anyone that tries to introduce me. And I can't thank you enough for having me. It's, it's funny how this happened because I just started interacting with you the other day on Twitter and one thing led to another and you were like, hey, I have an opening and, and I, I don't mean to be crass, but I'm like a whore for podcasts. So if anyone's willing to let me sit in front of a microphone for more than two minutes, then I'm generally there. So thank you for inviting me. I, I am all over the place. I, I do uh, written and audio content work over at uthdynasty.com. Addison, even though the podcast didn't work out with Addison, he still let me stay on to do some prospect prospect work and I'm getting some great behind the scenes information with the Browns wire that that is always fun to share with folks yeah well our, our second guest we're gonna have on here in just a little bit Shane Hallam oh, excuse me Hallman of the uh pigskins.com he's a Pittsburgh guy so I got a Browns guy and a Pittsburgh guy I feel like I'm I got the bloods and the crips on tonight but we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll keep you two under under wraps and um you know in in, in basketball they say game recognize game well here in the Dynasty War Zone, whore recognizes whore because I've been out everywhere myself <laughs> the, la the last few days. I was on with uh, Tyler Gunther and the guys on the DHH uh, beyond Thursday with the Fantasy Football Fellas. I was on last week with the guys on Di Dynasty Diagnostics. So uh, I'm the same way. We, we were joking as we were before we recorded last night. I was like, if I could, if I had the choice between meeting new people and sitting around and talking fantasy football and Dynasty, which I absolutely love, or watching TV, give me the talking. Uh, fantasy football with guys who love this as much as we do. So I, I'm all about that life with you, buddy. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's it's actually interesting in real life sometimes. People try to sit me down and actually have conversations about football. And then it gets to a weird point because I know I've gone over their head where it's 
It's kind of like when you're doing a search on someone and you Google a little too deep. This one is when <laughs> I'm when I'm going football and I go football a little too deep. And, and sometimes it gets that way. And then the conversation just hits an awkward pause. I, I, no, I love it. So uh, let's get into this news. And uh, we got a lot to cover. This is the news. All right. Well, it wouldn't be a news week without the obligatory Antonio Brown story. So it came out late last week. And then today there is an, uh, a, a team added. So last week it was mentioned that Tennessee, Oakland, and Washington are the three potential suitors for Antonio Brown. And, th and then he was on LeBron James's show, I think it's on HBO, called The Shop, talking about he doesn't need football and that he's going to negotiate under his own terms. And then Larry Fitzgerald, who I never thought would do this in a million years, threw a little shade at Antonio Brown saying, you don't know how lucky you got it. You know, you know can Larry Fitzgerald can certainly speak because outside of short runs with Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer, he's really struggled at the quarterback position during his career. So, Tim, I'll start with you since you are a guest. W what are you making of this whole Antonio Brown saga? I so I'll I'll add a little bit more context. I gave you gave the big bio on me to start with. What I don't often mention is that also over at Football Guys during the season, I did their weekly recaps for the Steelers. So Antonio Brown is someone I paid extremely close attention to all season. And I I will say he lost to go from Hall of Fame to losing a little step just means he's still really elite, but you could tell like there was just a tick, a uh, tick off of his overall game speed this year. And I do think you're starting to see that slow regression, but overall, just the way he's acting, the way he's putting himself out there, the way he's destroying his value in order for Pittsburgh to get any type of value in the trade market. He, he's hurting himself more than anything else because you have teams that really value character and they don't want to bring in, especially with these young quarterbacks that are really taking over the league right now. You don't want to bring over that big personality that's going to completely overrun and run roughshod over your young quarterback or your franchise that you're trying to stabilize. I couldn't imagine him on a team like the Oakland Raiders with John Gruden and, and all of those other big personalities there right now. Marshawn Lynch might return there. Could you imagine those two on a field together with each other? So, it's just listen, Antonio Brown would get put in his place with Marshawn oh, Lynch. That's the one good thing. Exactly. And and I'm just thinking in my mind, what what would happen if he's really put in that situation or if you're putting your young quarterback in that situation? And as someone who's close to the Browns, I would hate to see that happen with Baker Mayfield. And maybe the one thing we're we're really looking past is the connection he has with Ben Roethlisberger has been years in the making. It's just not going to replicate immediately in one partial offseason with a new team. Well, and, and Jerry, before I throw it to you, I will just say this. I, I mean, D Derek Carr's the best quarterback of the three. And then the Jets were thrown in there today, and I do like Sam Darnold, but I mean, Marcus Mariota hasn't exactly been a boon for the early career of Corey Davis. Washington currently has a starter of Colt McCoy, and that does not lend to Antonio Brown's dynasty or fantasy goodness. And I, I think this was more about money, because when he did the crazy Mr. Big Chess promo on the elliptical, he's like, if your team's got that guaranteed money. See, if you look at his contract, he has zero guaranteed money left. And he's of that age, the same age that last year Dez uh, tore an Achilles, 
Uh, we saw Demarius Thomas, who looks like his career after his wonderful weekend could be all but done. And he's looking to lock up that last guaranteed payday. I think this is a little bit more about money. And if a team was able to restructure him, which I don't know how that works. I'm not the big the big contract guy. But, Jerry, before we go over to uh, Todd Gurley's knee, anything else to add on Mr. Mr. Big Chest, our favorite weekly story? It is a weekly story, too. Now, I, I give credit to Tim because I didn't think about the fact that, you know, bringing him in to a young quarterback. Could you imagine if he goes to the Jets and maybe Sam Darnold isn't throwing him the ball enough or maybe he throws a bad pass? And Antonio Brown pulls an Antonio Brown antic. I mean, crush the man's confidence, crush the, crush the morale of the team. And it, Tim, listen, Tim did, mentioned, did you, and sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. T- Tim mentioned John Gruden. Man, what about uh, Adam Gase? And he's yeah. he's not known for being Mister you know congeniality. No, it's and that's what I'm saying. That's just that's something I never thought of, and that's so damn true. Like that could that could really crush it. And you know, I've been saying how good he is. The Pittsburgh Steelers, man, between him and Le'Veon Bell, they just they got some weird stuff going on. I know they can make money outside of football, but at this point, if you don't want to play, like then don't. But if you do, you are hurting yourself. Just like Tim said, like just chill out. Get your money and then play the game, right? Yeah, I, I think a lot of this goes away if if he gets his cash. But yeah, good point, Jerry. His ro- his agent Drew Rosenhaus needs to like put some duct tape over that blonde mustache and calm this dude down. But uh, we're gonna go over to the other side of the country. We're gonna go to L.A. and talk about Todd Gurley's arthritic knee. Jerry, what are you seeing? Because I'm I'm seeing. Now, I was originally one of the ones that said, "Hey, you might want to start thinking about cashing out at peak value, but not giving him away." Uh, I think a friend of all of ours, Bobby Koch, a New York guy, great dynasty mind, by the way, he was talking about how he saw a trade today where Todd Gurley went for the 101 in the 2019 draft. I saw that. Yeah, that's outrageous. I, I, what, what, if you were selling Gurley right now, Jerry, what would you want? I'd still want to I mean, I still want peak value or at least pretty darn close to it. Look, I mean, he's still going to get work. Yes, he's got an arthritis knee so maybe that cuts his career a year or two short he's still got two or three years of just being awesome he's still in an elite high-powered offense and he's an elite guy that can do everything you want so yes if you if you're now is probably the time to sell just because you can get that peak elite value for him and it's not likely that he's ever going to top the things he's done lately but at the same time one-on-one stop it stop it and especially as low as the 101 is right now in value yeah this isn't the zeke 101 so i was getting ready to ask ask tim because that was one that's one of my favorite things you all do over it under the helmet is you guys talk about player valuation what what are your thoughts on on Gurley? what are you doing on a contender what are you doing on like a rebuild you know are are you are you buying you selling what because i saw you were looking to buy the other day yeah i i was i I didn't hear this piece of information before I said it. And, and boy, yeah, I, I do have some egg on my face now. And uh, something I, I did say on the Under the Helmet podcast that I really feel that people should take away from this news specifically is that if you're moving off of a stud, if you're moving off of Todd Gurley, if I hope you're not moving off of Saquon Barkley, if you're moving off of Christian McCaffrey, you need a stud back. So if you are moving off of Todd Gurley, I would, it's a small move back. You just want to do what, what would it take? 
give me Alvin Kamara plus just a little bit, Christian McCaffrey plus just a little bit. If you can move down to an Odell Beckham Jr. and and a pick this year or a pick next year, which would be really nice. That would that those are the type of minor moves I would make. I would not do not please do not. I cannot say one. I will say it one more time. Do not just for move, picks. <laughs> just, yeah, just just for shits and giggles. I will not move down a full tier to move off of Todd Gurley. Don't do it. It it doesn't make sense. You still have plenty of people that are looking to buy right now. Sure, this news will will be a shot to his value, but this guess this guess what? This offseason, he's not taking hits. There, there may be more news that comes out, but he won't be taking any more punishment. And if you need to wait until the beginning of next season, that's fine too, because all these redraft people are going to be coming back and pumping Todd Gurley back up. So that's absolutely fine. Dynasty is a patience game. It is not for those who just want to do the quick reactions and quick flips. That's not the way to play this game. So Todd Gurley, the only way you move him off of your roster is to make a small move back. And if you're a person who wants to go buy him, be aggressive. Just throw, If you can get it done for the 101 alone, more power to you. But I would be aggressive if you can take a Joe Mixon and add a, a future pick to that for, for Todd Gurley and you're a strong contender. Absolutely. I, I don't understand why people want to be hesitant to make those type of moves for a strong piece like Todd Gurley, because he's only what, 24, 25 years old right now. Not quite yeah, 25. And, and, and I, I found myself really thinking right after this came out, what running back in the NFL doesn't have arthritis in their knee because, because these right. guys take crazy shots all the time. So for you to say, Hey, Todd Gurley has arthritis in the knee is just like someone looking at me and said, saying Tim has too many cheeseburgers. That's, I mean, it, it's just implied by looking at the people. So I, I just don't understand what people are doing, making crazy moves to completely get out from under them. I, I will, I will throw these two things out and then I'm going to bring on our second guest. Cause he's here a little early. I like an early arriver. Um, Matthew Betts at the fantasy PT, um, he's affiliated with shows such as the Fantasy Footballers, uh, Dynasty Happy Hour, I believe. You know, he's a he's a physical therapist, and he said eighty percent of players that have had an ACL surgery have like some sort of arthritis in their knee. So that's everybody. It's not just Todd Gurley. So don't freak out. I love it if you can use this as like a, a buy low tactic. I love it. And remember, right and, and they talked about last year. Andrew Luck went and sought alternative medicine. I guess we'll call it on his throwing shoulder. And you know what? He came back from that looking pretty good. And uh, if Todd Gurley, who's getting, I guess, stem cell treatment on this knee, comes back and he looks pretty good and you can buy him for the 101, you're in there. So uh, I'm going to welcome to the show, halfway through the news, Mr. Shane Hallam. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Shane, how are you? Good. I just came to listen. I was going to oh. listen for a little bit, you know, hang out. No, no, I'm just <laughs> Are, are, are you? <laughs> it's all good. Are you? I appreciate the, you guys having me, though. It's uh, it's good stuff, man. No, it's it's great to have you. I was gonna say, uh, are you uh, listed as the fantasy peeping tom? Uh, look, look, uh, <laughs> I, I may have been called a peeping tom once or twice in my life, but that's that's in the past. Now. If you were gonna peep on some people, damn sure shouldn't be Jerry, Tim, and I. You could you could peep, <laughs> you could peep a whole lot better. I mean, all three of us got a beard, but. Listen, we're, we're going to move this on to the next story. And I want to start this one with Tim, because this is another guy that, that I believe you're a proponent of, and that's Damian Williams. Damian Williams of the Kansas City Chiefs, their GM, Brett Veach, came out and spoke uh, very highly of him and said, basically, the RB1 job is his to lose. 
And one of the few articles I've ever written, because I'm not even that good with the spoken word, but I'm better with the spoken word than the written word. And I did some research on Andy Reid, and he tends to give his veteran uh, the lion's share of the carry. So even if they add a rookie, I, I think Damian Williams will keep this job at least for 2019. Tim, I know, I think if I remember correctly, you're a little bullish on Mr. Williams. What you got? Yeah, I people are, are really excited to to go back to the Kareem Hunt way of looking at things and say, oh, Kareem Hunt took Spencer Ware's job and they want to really rewrite history based off of what it, it really was. People forget Spencer Ware was injured. That's the only reason that Kareem Hunt just jumped up and, and took such a large market share of the carries there in Kansas City. It worked out great. Very talented running back. That That's why he, he took off with the job. But Imagine if Spencer Ware wasn't injured, how different that season may have really turned out for Kareem Hunt and how long it would have taken him to really gain that type of market share if he would have even touched anything close to that. Again, I know he's talented. He may or may not have risen up and and taken taken a large part of that job at some point in the season. And we all know that that fantasy people or scouts would have been saying something the whole time. But looking at it now, the Chiefs, while they are a very good team, they also have a lot of holes on defense. And the reason that's important is whether it's the whether it's through free agency, whether it's the draft, whatever part of the offseason you want to be looking at, I expect them to put a majority of their resources towards their defense or other ways to support Patrick Mahomes and not one of the most disposable positions on the on the football field, one of the most replaceable positions that you can find a player to step in. Sure, if they if they draft someone on day three, I will do my best to try to get them in the second or third round of my rookie drafts. But if you want to say the second a running back is drafted to Kansas City, he's automatically going to be a top five rookie player for you in this draft that's bad process that's that's a terrible way of looking at it and that's not the way any of us should be doing doing our rookie drafts or dynasty fantasy football evaluation shane anything on mr williams there in kc you know look i, th- I think tim makes a good point uh but, but you know the fact of the matter is spencer where wasn't very good so when he got injured he lost that job i i think i don't think damian williams is very good uh myself like i think we saw production out of him in that system i think we could see production out of any running back in, in that system that fits and is decently talented so if to say Look, if they don't take a running back to the sixth round, yeah, like like you're in. But with with where Damian Williams is going right now, uh, the value I can get to trade him with this much of an unknown, you know, I don't, I don't care what any general manager says. Of course, he's got to say that. Like, what's he going to say? Like, nah, this guy sucks. Like, he's going to be an RB2. Don't worry. We'll get a rookie. Like, no one's got to say that. You know, we're not going to hear that right now. Um, so, uh, it, look, it, it could happen. It could not happen. I'd rather take the value now. For Damian Williams, I'd rather trade him now um, or, you know, his price tag in, in a startup is just, just way too much for me to draft him with people getting that excited because of that unknown element. And if they draft a running back in the third or fourth round, uh, look, Damian Williams probably is going to get dinged up at some point. And if that guy's half decent, uh, I think he's can be as good, if not better than Damian Williams. So from a dynasty perspective, I, I just don't think Damian Williams is, is a long-term answer. And so I, I might as well get what I can for him right now. 
but see, this is this. Okay, I, I'm glad you said it that way because I like to add a little bit of extra context to to those type of responses because I don't I don't disagree that he is replaceable. I think he's a guy that you can step away from fairly easily, but I think his value right now. People are saying you can get a lot for him, and my question back is always, "What can you get for him?" and and I usually get a, a quizzical look on their faces. And one of my favorite tools to use is the DLF Trade Finder. I'm looking at it right now. Damian Williams or uh, or the 110 rookie pick. Damian Williams or Jalen Samuels and Julian Edelman. Uh, <laughs> Damian Williams or 206 and Trey Burton. Damian Williams or Royce Freeman in a 2022. It, it that's where this, what we're saying and and the value of the market is just completely off right now because we're saying, oh, he's going for a premium. I I won't buy for a premium, but it, is it really a premium when you're saying it's the 110 rookie pick? I, that that rookie that, pick, yes, please. I'll take the 110 rookie pick. I don't even like this class. I, 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 I'll take the 110 rookie. I, I will just add this and, and we'll move on because we we have a lot of rookies to talk about. Is that Damian Williams is a lottery ticket. He's a $1,000 lottery ticket you found on the ground. He was on the waiver wire this time last year. He was worth nothing. He was maybe worth a fourth or a fifth. I mean, he was on Miami. So, so it's, it's, do you take that $1,000 and then go down the street to the casino and try to turn it into even more money? Or, 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 or do you just want to go, go to the local lottery retailer and cash out? And that's what you have to decide. I, I'm, with, I'm with Tim on the fact that I think Damian Williams is going to be the running back to own in Kansas City for 2019. But then I'm also with Shane on that. If you yeah. if, if you found this lottery ticket and you just want to cash out and, and take the 110, maybe you like – we're going to do a little mock draft if we, if we have some time. Uh, and maybe you like that player. But I, I think you're both right, and I think you both have uh, aspects. Jerry, anything to add? No, this is what Damian Williams does to everybody every time we it talk about it. It did it on the open bar with us, too, with, uh, with Jordan McNamara. That, that was a half an hour just us slapping yeah. our meats at each other, arguing <laughs> about Damian Williams. Well, well, let's talk about Damian Williams' teammate. And it looks like, uh, according to reports, that Tyreek Hill is going to break the record for money given to a wide receiver, which was just set recently by Odell Beckham Jr. Shane, I'll bounce this one to you first this time. Do, do you think uh, Tyreek Hill is worth Odell Beckham Jr. cash? Um, I guess, I guess he is, you know, and if you can make that money, then you're worth that money. I, I think the, just what he's done physically on the field and athletically what he is, I think he's, he's done some damage to some big time defenses and the, the, you know, the way Kansas city uses him is dynamic. Um, and you're not going to find that, you know, if you let, you let him walk, um, someone will pay him that and, and rightfully so. Um, not saying I like to have that money tied up in a receiver that, that is on that kind of small, fast end. And I think it's easy to look at him and say, ah, well, he's not, you know, he's not Julio Jones. He's not, um, AJ Green. He's not Odell Beckham, but, um, you know, for what Kansas city is doing for Andy Reid, like, I don't think you can get much better. What about you, Jerry? I listen, I've been a Tyreek Hill, like every year I'm like, nah, he's going to regress. And every time, you know, he, he proves me wrong. So listen, is he awesome? Yeah. He's pretty awesome. Is he, <laughs> does he need to do it more? You like, yes, I would like to see him do it consistently. It seems like he is the best player on any football field at any given time, but he only does it, you know, six times a year. So I, I mean, I would like to see a little bit more 
you know, consistency in that. But is he worth top wide receiver money? Yeah, he's good. I mean, how many wide receivers, young guys like him, are we going to say are better? Maybe a few. Like, maybe you can count them on your hand, but probably not. So I, I don't hate it. And they're good. They've got a young quarterback. They want to keep Tyreek Hill there. It's a good move for them. Tim, anything? Oh, I'll, I'll just say if you're going to make a crazy move, this is the time to do it because you have your your young quarterback that's still on his rookie deal and you're you're going to have a little bit more money that you can do crazy stuff with leading up to this. I, I just find my, myself asking, they paid all this money to Sammy Watkins. And um, I'm I'm looking really quick on over the cap right now to see if there's any way they can get out of his contract anytime in the near future. Looks like 2020 they can take a seven million dollar cat dead cap hit and save 14 million dollars. So maybe that's when when the Chiefs actually end up saying goodbye to Sammy Watkins so that they can more reasonably take on this big investment in Tyree Kill. Uh, I one of one of the other things we're looking at it at UTH dynasty is kind of the variance and Tyree kill. He's the guy that has those boom weeks, those weeks that will literally win you a championship or they can be the championship buster type of players. And I, I get it. He matches exactly with what Pat, Pat Mahomes does. He can get downfield and there may not be another quarterback in the NFL right now. that can get it to get it to him quite the same way. So if they feel those two are a match and they can keep them together long-term more power to you. And the longer they wait, if he has another big season, that price is only going to go up. And I, your, your point was my point as well about the rookie deal. So Mahomes is going into year three. And they'll have two more years on that rookie deal because they'll have the fifth-year option where they can afford to do it. And we've seen teams like Philadelphia and the Rams and even Chicago you know, paying these other stars this money. And I would assume they're front-loaded deals. It would only be good business to do that because right. you know very uh, sometime very soon you're going to break the bank for uh, Patrick Mahomes. It could be the – and it shouldn't, be, shouldn't say could be. It will be the largest contract in NFL, NFL history. So one last story. I'm um, going to talk about Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray because that's going to transition us right to our uh, post-combine review. It looks like Kyler Murray to the Arizona Cardinals is all but a done deal and that they'll move on from Josh Rosen. And I was talking with a gentleman early on Twitter before we recorded about, he's like, this is a dumb move. And I'm like, it is a dumb move, but it's an even dumber move to try to force Josh Rosen into Cliff Kingsbury's system there in Arizona. You can't put a round peg in a square hole. So, because then that's only going to set you back even even further. So, I think the, the the Cardinals are doing the right thing if they take Murray. It's not the not a smart move, but you you got to move on. I th- I think the Patriots will be interested in Rosen. I I know Bill Belichick. I remember re- reading last year that he's a fan of Rosen. I think that's a natural fit. New England's got 12 picks this year. There's no way they're going to be able to onboard 12 rookies on what's already a pretty good roster. They're getting a couple of their injured rookies back from last year. You know, go ahead and give up that first or maybe whatever, you know, obviously pay as little as you can, same as we do in Dynasty, and, and go out and get you a Rosen. But I, I I, think this, you know, we're going to talk about him here in a bit, I'm sure, but I think this vaults Kyler Murray to the top of Superflex draft boards. Jerry, I'll start with you. Uh, what are you thinking about Cliff and Kyler and Josh Rosen out there in the desert? All right. Here's my thing. 
I know my limitations when it comes to this wonderful game that we all play and analyze. And quarterbacks is just not my thing. I thought Joey Harrington was going to save my Detroit Lions. So <laughs> if that tells you anything. So he, in theory, I think it was a piss poor choice to take a quarterback early in the first round and then take another one first overall the very next year. I frown upon that idea, but as far as who's better, I there are more educated people in this room that are talking to me that, that would be able to tell you more. I just think from a franchise standpoint, I've seen a lot of bad franchise moves, and I think going quarterback first and quarterback first is just not a recipe for success. Shane, what you got on, on old Kyler here? Man, it, it's it's tough. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I know, like it, it probably is the done deal. And to me, it's more of a question the general manager, right? Like, how how did you hire a coach that you fired after one year? You drafted a franchise quarterback to line up with them. Now you're gonna, you know, get rid of him and bring another franchise quarterback. What what if it's a disaster again? Like, are you gonna, are you gonna fire Kingsbury in a year and draft another quarterback next? You know, like <laughs> what what like what what is what is the limit to to how you go? Well, this time we're gonna keep you know this. Time we're going to stick with it. Um, that's why I think I think it's just such a difficult situation to say. I, I like Josh Rosen a lot. You know, I, I definitely don't have the best quarterback track record either, like Jerry. So you know, you know, I, I don't think I guess no one does, or the NFL would be much better at drafting him. Um, but I, I think in a in a good situation, he he could uh, survive. I thought he had some god awful games and some really good games. I think. Kyler Murray, I think a lot of it is just going to depend, you know, kind of between the years and, and how he he does with that aspect of the game. Um, I think it'll be fun to watch. Like, like I'm excited for it, but I I don't I don't think it's going to be uh, I don't think he's going to be Baker Mayfield. Like I don't think he's going to step in here and we're going to say, oh, man, this is the next franchise guy. Like, I think there's going to be growing pains if you expected if you draft him first overall, you're throwing him in week one. If you're getting rid of Josh Rosen, I think that's maybe more of the mistake. Tim, I know you're uh, you're a big Baker guy, so give us a little oh. bit on the comparison between these two. And is Arizona, you know, I, I posted a picture of this earlier. Um, you know, hanging on to a mistake just because you spent a lot of time making it doesn't make it okay to hang on. You know, if if they think Rosen's a mistake and they're going to move on, move on. What do you think? Because you're a you, you've been doing this a long time. Yeah, there there's a lot of different ways to look at it, and I. This is this is going off topic for a quick second, but I just want to say I'm really excited to be on this with Shane and I'm going to fanboy for one quick second. And that's only because Shane was actually the very first uh, his work over a draft countdown was some of the first draft talk I had ever started listening to uh, when he was doing that podcast. So just as far as a fanboy moment, this is really exciting to be on the same podcast with you and just being able to talk back and forth, but no, uh, no, thanks. Thanks, man. You're, you're good at what you do too. So I, I enjoy your stuff, man. So that's, no, it's awesome. Um, so, all right, back to me actually using my words to, to be productive on the podcast. Um, the Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray comparisons, it's they're they're two completely different guys just just in the ways that they win. And I, I wouldn't put those two next to each other and say that they're the same quarterback or even similar. Uh, if anything, I'll give a lot of credit to Lincoln Riley and being able to utilize both players to the best of their abilities so that he can have two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks back to in back to back years. As far as the Cardinals go, it's a new coach in the room and you, 
I would not want to be the one to tell him that you cannot go get your guy. If Kyler, if you're really saying Kyler Murray is your guy and you want to take him first overall and then find a way to put Rosen on another team and, and still get yourself back some, some draft capital or pieces that you can use, that's absolutely fine. So if the Cardinals went and they traded Josh Rosen to, to the Jacksonville Jaguars or, or I, I spit something out to the UTH crew somehow if they traded uh, Rosen to the Bengals and <clears throat> gave their new head coach a new quarterback, and then the Bengals could do whatever they wanted with Andy Dalton. Just to kind of be a little bit creative and outside the box, maybe something I haven't heard before. And then Andy Dalton could go join Jay Gruden over there back in Washington because those two were together once upon a time in, in, uh, in Cincinnati. So I, I think it makes sense to give his quarterback that he wants and I also think it makes sense to to recoup any type of draft capital you can if you're going to make that move because boy you're you're losing a lot you're losing that first round pick and from everything that's been reported I don't know what's going to happen but they're saying that they're not going to get a first round draft pick in return for Rosen which is just crazy you know, and I'll circle this back to Dynasty, which is what all of us love, you know, to play, is that Rosen's someone I'm out there taking cheap shots at in Superflex League. Amen. I think he's going to land on his feet. You know, I, 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 you know, what happens if he, he slips and falls in that Pat Shermer offense out there in, with the New York Jets, I mean, excuse me, the New York Giants, and all of a sudden he's throwing to Odell Beckham and Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard and Saquon Barkley. That, that, that's a guy with some at least QB2 value, and we saw the, the miracles that Pat Shermer worked with Case Keenum in Minnesota. So this guy's going to land on his feet and let this negative downturn uh, create a buying window. But listen, we want, we want to get to these rookies because everybody's got that rookie fever coming off the combine here in my hometown of uh, Indianapolis. And uh, this will be our last rookie show for a couple of weeks. So next week we have uh, four special guests coming on to break down what will be the start of NFL free agency. And then the week after, we have another special guest lined up to talk about some player value and, and what free agency has done to it. And then we'll get back into our regular scheduled uh, rookie stuff leading up to the NFL draft in April. But but the first thing I want to talk to you know about these combine reactions is the the guy who most impressed us that we weren't expecting to impress us. We we'd all seen the pictures on Twitter leading up to the combine of DK Metcalf, looking like he was heading to the Arnold Classic, going to get a, uh, going to jump on the bodybuilding stage. And uh, he looked like a million bucks. So I think we all expected DK Metcalf to have a great combine. So we want to talk about guys that impressed us that we weren't necessarily looking to impress us. So I'm going to start with, uh, we'll start with Shane. Shane, tell us about uh, your first guy that impressed you. My pick was uh, Raquel Armstead for the running back from Temple. Um, it was a player that definitely had some lists, and I kind of put off watching him for a while. And you know, got the combine invite. All right, you know, finally get around to it. But um, man, you know, watching him in the drills, this this is a guy that stood out to me. He, he's obviously a, a bigger back, you know, five eleven, two twenty, but. Uh, ran a four four five, so uh, you know that, that's a good forty time. Had had a better three cone than Debo Samuel, than DK Metcalf, and Devin Singletary. A good shuttle drill, you know, and and it really made me go back and watch him, right? Because I think that's what the combine really should do. Is wow, this is a guy I didn't expect. You know, th this is not numbers that I expected. Let me go back and watch and see if it matches up. And he was a player that I had kind of watched in passing, and and I was really entranced. Like this, this is a a bigger back he's he's not going to be 
Uh, he's not going to be flying around the field or anything. You know, I, I don't. I think he plays a little slower in the four four five, but uh, he definitely can pick up speed pretty quickly and has some explosion getting to the line of scrimmage, getting to that hole. It's tough to bring down. And, and I thought, you know, he's only, he only caught eight passes this year in um, at Temple, and so I really watched him in those pass catching drills. I thought he did pretty well. You know, not to he's he's not going to be a, a stud pass catcher. But um, I think there are a lot of running backs. Sometimes we discount the pass catching. Ah, they only caught eight, ten passes. You know, I, I remember Melvin Gordon was 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 the big one. And I was like, ah, he's, he's crap. He caught like five passes or something. You know, caught like twenty passes in college it was his whole career, and that and he's awesome at it. They just didn't use him that way. And I think Temple just didn't use him in that way either. So I think Armstead's a player that that's moved up for me, uh, just outside that top one hundred mark. I think he could go relatively high, be a complimentary piece to. Um, to maybe a smaller running back. I think you could see him actually make a fantasy impact. So uh, he, he's someone that I'm, I'm pretty excited about now. Well, Dynasty Warzone listeners, unless you're driving uh, a truck or an automobile of some sort, write that name down. Rayquell Armstead out of Temple. Now, Tim's, Tim's guy's name you won't have to write down because you know it. And even though you know it, Tim's right. He, he did impress because I, th- I think he, he may have ran a little bit faster than we thought. Tim, tell us about your guy. Oh, Nikhil Harry. I, I was very impressed when I, my process throughout, throughout evaluation is reviewing production, production and, and senior bowl and, and the other games give me an idea of names that I want to review a little bit more closely. And then lastly is the physical side of things and watching Nikhil Harry. I I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting a four five, three 40 yard dash. I was expecting him to be in that four, six, maybe a little bit over that. And I, I was floored. Something that Chad Parsons actually gave us is that he becomes part of the 90, 90 club for him, which is a 90% athletic profile and a 90% production profile for him which only a couple other players have hit larry fitzgerald calvin johnson and a a guy we're going to get to a little bit later so it's a very limited club that actually gets into those two metrics especially when those two metrics are compared together i i was impressed i i didn't think i would be i'm very happy to walk away saying a big guy that is an exceptional producer from a young age in college. And now I'm willing to stick my neck out for him. Oh, I, I, I was really impressed by, cause he was a guy that I don't want to say I questioned his work ethic, but I, I was really curious to see what he showed at the combine. And he showed up, he had a, I think also 27 reps on the bench. He, you know, had, had lots of good stuff. So he definitely came in prepared for this job interview. Jerry, tell us about your athletic freak. So mine was Emmanuel Hall from Missouri. Um, he, he was listed at six, three Missouri. Of course, you know, he had the, the program height down at the combine. He ended up being six, two, two Oh one. He's got a weirdly similar game to DK Metcalf. Now he's not like a, a super freak like DK Metcalf is was 1.6% body fat, but he, he runs that sort of just beat your guy run really far, really fast and just beat him over the top, maybe do a curl when they think you're going to do that. Um, but he came in 43940, 43.5-inch vertical, which is just Kelvin Johnson's stupid high. And then he had the second-best uh, 
broad jump all time, 11 feet, nine inches. I would be lucky if I could skip about three feet without twisting my ankle. So good on him for that. Jerry, you couldn't do that if you jumped three times. No, I couldn't. And I'd be winded from one jump. But my man did what DK Metcalf should have done and didn't run the three cone, didn't run the 20 yard shuttle. So, you know, a guy like him, that's exactly what he should have done. Not the most productive guy at Missouri, but I mean, that's Missouri. And, you know, he was sort of productive when they had Jamon Moore last year, ended up getting drafted by the Packers. Um, I saw an article from the Kansas City Star. He may have a sports hernia, so that's something to keep an eye on. But, I mean, he he was productive at, at chunks in his career. When they decided to pick at him, at one point he had five straight games of 100 yards. So, I mean, he when he gets the ball, he can do things with it. He'd, think of him as a poor man's. DK Metcalf, and I was very surprised to see him run that fast and do that well at the combine. Yeah, poor man's DK Metcalf. Well, I, I'm going to go into a guy that I had always been a fan of, and before the combine, I did a mock draft with some of the guys at the Dynasty Happy Hour on Twitter, and this guy went 402 in that initial run, and that's Justice Hill. And then we did one on their Patreon site or Patreon show on Sunday and he went like in the in the back of the second round and that's Justice Hill running back out of Oklahoma State just a man uh, five foot we'll call him five foot ten 200 pounds but his athletic measurables at the combine were awesome he ran the fastest 40 of any running back at four four flat uh, had 21 on the bench press which for a guy who weighs 200 pounds um that's a lot of weight to move at, at that body size. 40-inch um, vertical, which was the best among running backs, and 130-inch broad jump. So he killed it. He did, I guess, tweak a, a muscle, a minor muscle, and he did not do the three-cone or the 20-yard short shuttle. But you put on the film, and it's, it's just as impressive. And he feels like like the modern-day NFL. So not not a big bruising back like a Jordan, like a Jordan Howard or a, a Derrick Henry, but... This is a guy, I mean, landing spot dependent. I could see him at the back end of the first round, front half of the second round in rookie drafts this year. I, I really like this guy. Uh, I'm not going to, he's, he's a guy that's currently on my list that if I have to take him a little bit earlier than I want to, or a little bit earlier than the ADP says I should, I will. Um, one last thing I have is that for a guy his size, again, 5'10", 200 pounds. I guess there's a video out there of him squatting 600 pounds. That's three times body weight for, for, for a man that size. So he's, he's, he's elusive. He's fast. He's strong. He can run between the tackles. He will give you everything that, uh, uh, a good running back will. He's, he's a weapon. So he's someone that I'm keeping an eye on. And now we're going to move over to guys that might've done a little damage to their to their uh, 2019 draft stocks. I'm gonna kick it back to Tim. Tim, tell us who uh, who hurt themselves a bit in Indy with a less than desirable showing. I I thought it was Kelvin Harmon, and I I might be in a, on an island here, but the there are pluses with Kelvin Harmon because he was a producer from a young age, but in my opinion, when you go to the NFL, there are certain thresholds that you need to meet as an athlete. Granted, there are people who in some, in some way you need to be able to win. And on my rookie, on my dynasty teams, I want players who have the potential of being a wide receiver one. 
Kelvin Harmon couldn't meet those baselines by any stretch at any point during the during the combine testing. And I'm I'm willing to go as far as to say, you know what? The combine is a very stressful day. It's it is the most important job interview that you could possibly have. And you're asked to, to put everything out on the line for one day. But the showing that he had, I, I just that is not what a wide receiver one looks like to me. And in my opinion, if he really falls to where I feel he falls, I feel like he falls to late day two now, possibly a third round wide receiver, especially with these other guys that are jumping up the AJ Brown, the DK Metcalf, all of these other players that are really making a name for themselves at the combine. This, this poor showing was ill-timed and could be one of the worst things for his overall profile. I really don't want anything to do with him anymore. Wow, and and I can see that because he's still going around the, I guess one oh five in superflex, maybe a little bit higher, but uh, yeah, Kel- Kelvin Harmon, he was a guy who was a lot of people's wide receiver one coming into the combine, so that he's definitely slipped. I would agree. Now, now Shane, um, I, I see you took the lowest of the low hanging fruit on the guy, <laughs> on the guy that that uh, may have hurt his draft stock, and I don't think there's a man in this room right now that would disagree with you. But go ahead and tell us about your guy. Look, I mean, if you're going to ask, I'm, I'm just going to take it. But uh, Elijah Holyfield, the, the running back from Georgia, I mean, it, you, you just you just cannot get uh, much worse than um, th- than him in this situation. Like to, to run a four, seven, eight, 40 uh, as as a running back is just eye popping to me. Like, I don't know how, how it, you're that bad at it. Um, and you get two shots at it and look, I, you know, I watched him. I, I didn't love him, but I, I thought he, yeah, he's Georgia running back. He played in the sec. He had some good games. Like I'm giving a little benefit of the doubt. He was behind, uh, obviously some good running backs. Um, and so I had him on my list in a decent position watching him at the combine. I was like, God, this guy is such trash. Like what, what, what was I thinking? You know, like <laughs> not only is he slow, but he looked, he looked unathletic. He looked so just out of shape. I mean, even the pass catching drills, like, okay, it's something he can do. Uh, I mean, he wasn't even like get, getting his hands up at, in, in time at times was um, just seemed, seemed like slow reaction speed to a lot of different things and some of the drills, you know, so it wasn't just like, oh, this 40 times really bad, but um, watching him throughout the drills, it's like, wow, this, he, he is not an NFL player. Um, so, you know, maybe someone, I, I don't even know if he gets drafted at this point. And uh, for, for someone that, you know, I've, I've already taken in, in some, um, very early best ball redrafts. I'm like, ah, oh, man, that that's that's gonna sting sting later for me. But he he was it was one of the worst combine performances I have seen from a player I thought was definitely getting drafted and would have a shot at, at producing something. I, I was dead wrong. It's it's funny it's funny that you say that because the next guy was the one that I felt the exact same way about, and I've seen a lot of people take him early in some best ball drafts. Jerry, tell us about your running back that uh, that failed to launch there in Indy. The f- first, I just want to point out that Harmon, Holyfield, and my guy were all guys. I was like, okay, these are the guys that I'm going to get in the leagues where I know more about the players that are coming out than you know my my casual dynasty teams. And then the the combine happened. It's like really, like I here I thought I was going to be the smart guy and get some value. Kelvin Harmon was my wide receiver one, and then he he looked <laughs> awful he, in in the gauntlet drill. He looked bad, and then Holyfield Holyfield was. That was bad. My man pooped his pants all day long. 
but my guy, he uh, Devin Singletary, man. I really wanted him to be good. He's got he gets cut to Devonta Freeman a lot. I don't know if I see that. He's he's had descending receptions every season as he's gotten older from his freshman to his junior year, but he's a little guy. You know, he's five seven, two oh three. He needed to run fast. Now, granted, he's he's a powerful type of runner. He it, when you watch him, he's not the guy that just takes off and is Daryl Henderson and is just gone. You know, he he fights for six yards over and over, but you still needed to see, you know, four five one. He came in at four six six, tied for the fifth worst. You know, someone that's five foot seven, you need them to be agile and quick like that. He had a seven three two three cone. His this twenty yard shuttle was four four. He had eight and a half inch hands. He had the smallest hands out of the running back group. That does not sound like someone that's going to be able to hold on to the ball. I mean, four six six at five seven two oh three. I mean, Rashawn Gary six four two seventy seven. He ran a better three cone. He ran a better forty time at seventy pounds heavier. Now, granted, he's going to be a top pick, but dude. Why do you got to break my heart like that? It was just, yeah, I, th- th- I really, I mean, Singletary's still going to get drafted. And if he's in the right spot, he'll be productive. But that I, just put a damper on all of his momentum. I liked his grit. I, I liked his grit. I liked his determination. Um, I, I agree. I think he'll get drafted. I, d- I no longer think that he'll be a day two back. I think he'll be a day three back in the actual NFL draft. And, you know, I'm not going to be afraid if, if he's still because of this combine if he's lurking on the back end of like the round three in a rookie draft I'm not going to be afraid to take a shot on him because I, I still like him uh I might be too close to the heart but if I'm going to take a swing and a miss on a guy that's what I'll do it's round three my guy is Isaac Nauta hope I'm pronouncing that correctly tight end uh there in Georgia teammates with uh Elijah Holyfield you know this was a guy who was getting a lot of buzz now I've just started playing this is going into my second season of playing tight end premium and, and I love it I'm, I'm addicted and this was a guy getting a lot of buzz as like a sleeper in that format. And, and you know, if people thought Elijah Holyfield looked unathletic, Isaac Nauta said, hold my beer, bro. Because he came out and ran, and ran a 4-9-1-40, only put up 19 reps on the bench press. Now, think about it, This is a big man. I don't have his uh, height and weight in front of me. But he benched two less reps than a little uh, 5'10", 198-pound Justice Hill. He had the... He was the only tight end that ran the three cone that ran it slower than DK Metcalf. Yeah, that's right. The little shade at DK Metcalf. Isaac Nada ran it slower than you. Good for you. And he only had a vertical jump of, of 28 inches. Uh, I, this guy killed his stock. I think he killed it for both the real NFL and I think he killed it for uh, Dynasty. I would much rather in Dynasty drafts, you know, take a take a dart throw at guys like Jay Sternberger or Dawson Knox. Um, even Travon Wesco out of West Virginia than, than this guy at this point just didn't look athletic. And uh, to keep this thing, I, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, Randy, no, you're but good. in all of the drills at the combine, he looked just as slow as that 40 time too. Yeah. He, you know, some guys look faster when they're, they're running and playing the game. He did not at all. Yeah. So I'm not going to beleaguer the point. He did not look good there. So he's someone I, I'm, uh, I'm thinking killed himself there. So we're going to jump into guys whose stock went through the roof. And Jerry, I want to start with you because this guy uh, also operates in the 412 area code where our guest Shane calls home. So, uh, Jerry, tell us about your guy. Miles Sanders, the the replacement to the great Saquon 01. And listen, 
I mean, he's he, he was good. He was always good. He he runs in the same mold as Saquon. I know that's a so such a lazy take because he plays in Happy Valley, but he does. He's just he's elusive like that. He's quick side to side. He's powerful. He's good. He can catch the ball. So you thought he was going to be good, but he wasn't getting that hype. Like he was going to be one of these top guys in the draft. He just wasn't. There was guys like Devin Singletary and even people put an Elijah Holyfield over him. And then my man ran a four, four, nine, 40. He ran the best three kind. And you matched with how well he did at the combine. You know, he had a six catch game at one point. He embarrassed my Spartans on. If you've watched a highlight tape of Miles Sanders or any tape at all, you have seen his run where he breaks like seven tackles against Michigan state this year. And that was a run defense that stopped everybody else. So he's good matched up. Good size, good player, destroyed the combine. That boy got himself some money, and he is in the first round of your rookie drafts. I cannot see how he wouldn't be. Um, can, we, can we just take a second and appreciate sure. how how NFL Network does the craziest comps? Like, they put Alvin Kamara right next to Miles Sanders. I I, I get their numbers are similar, but, boy, they, they just had that one queued up, didn't they? It, it, it felt like it was uh, they were waiting – to do it so i I agree and i I don't think there's anyone here that's not excited about miles sanders i I, I think he was a guy who was going a week week and a half ago in you know the the second round maybe of your rookie draft mocks and now all of a sudden this guy's in the back end of the first and i think he could climb even higher shane do you agree and uh give us a little bit on mr sanders and another another guy named miles yeah, I mean, I, I've been watching Miles Sanders since high school here in, in Pittsburgh at Woodland Hills, and so you know, I, I'm I've kind of been a fan. I was really hoping he'd take a shot and kind of run with it. I, I thought he did this year, and yeah, that that hype just hasn't been there. I was like, ah, man, you know, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I have some blinders on. But you know, after this awesome combine that that you know Jerry kind of talked about, uh, I went back and watched him again. I'm like, nah, man, he's you know he's legit. I, I've moved him off my RB three in this class, and 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 uh, I don't feel bad about it. So I'm excited for him, and, and I'm going to go with another Miles. Um, is Miles Boykin, the wide receiver from Notre Dame, who I, I didn't necessarily love his tape, but man, this the combine was just just eye popping. You know the the 407 shuttle. Uh, he had the top three cone time for for receivers six seven seven. You know running a 442 at six four two hundred and twenty pounds. Um, you know pe- people are talking up DK Metcalf. Uh, Miles Boykin got a little bit of that buzz, and I think he maybe deserves more of that national buzz for the for the combine that he had as a whole. Um, and, and I don't think he always plays up to all those numbers. You know I, going back and watching him. You know. I, he, wasn't a guy that really stood out to me and disappeared against some of the better competition in corners, but I think it shows the potential that's there. He, he's a, he's a player that's really beloved by his teammates and by that Notre Dame community, you know, so I really feel like uh, miles Boykin um, is, is a player that, that uh, I want to see where he ends up. You know, I don't see how high he gets drafted. Is he in a good situation? Does he have a good quarterback? And maybe this is someone I wasn't really considering before that uh, I, I'm really going to consider now. No, and, and being an Indiana guy, uh, I, I've enjoyed watching him play probably a little bit longer than most of your dynasty listeners, unless you're also a Debbie guy, just because um, in Indiana, you, we, IU, Purdue, even my alma mater, Ball State, does not have great football programs, so we watch nothing but the Irish here, and I, I've seen this guy play, and I, I do think he's special, and I, I, I like his tape, So, but I'm going to throw it to Tim, because he's going to tell us about a guy that I think 
at least from a dynasty standpoint, I don't think his stock could be any hotter than it is right now because he was relatively, I don't want to say obscure because Debbie's a big part of dynasty. But uh, tell us about Alex Barnes, Tim. Yeah, he went from going nowhere. I, I Other than UTH, I rarely saw him ranked within the top, I want to say 50 rookies even being mentioned. And it, credit to Chad and Jordan as far as unearthing him, as far as a, a player that they were earmarking for probably a third round rookie pick. I, I don't think you're getting him there anymore. Uh, his for being a running back that is 220 plus pounds, being able to run anywhere in the four fives is exceptional, but he also had exceptional uh, lateral agility explosion, uh, 10 inch hands. There's, there's not much that, there was within his workout that didn't work out for him. And it was just one of those very impressive overall combines. And when I look at a running back, when I'm trying to, to be inside of a rookie rookie draft, and I want those guys that are prototypically sized, he's the guy that I could easily see step into, uh, to a starting role. And to take that one step further, the offense at Kansas state, I, I felt like they didn't have much in terms of an overall game plan. Their quarterback was terrible. They didn't have much support on the offensive line. And you could see that when he, when he broke the big play, uh, he was dynamic, but just nobody was there supporting him. I, I personally have him as a top five running back in this class. You know, you're about the third person that I've seen with some early rankings that have said that. So it's, and I, I think that's fair. It could be plus or minus a couple of spots, depending on where he lands in the actual draft. But I, I stand by my, this is the guy who did the most for him. He made himself the most real dollars. How about that? We talk about Dynasty, and we're playing for a few bucks in some leagues. But this guy made real cash this past weekend in Indy, and I think my guy did too. And that's Ohio State wide receiver Parrish Campbell. Uh, my man came out and lit up the 40, had tied for the best time with uh, Andy Isabella with a 4-3-1. Didn't love the bench press. I am a gym bro, so you know I am about the bench press. Only 11 reps, but whatever. He's not he's not benching on the field. He's catching passes, so I'm, I'm cool with that. He had an amazing 40-inch vertical, 135-inch broad jump, and ran the tied for the fastest 20-yard uh, short shuttle of any of the wide receivers at a 4.03. So um, the NFL loves speed. Now, you know, I was talking earlier with Travis May. And it said that he did not have one reception over 12 air yards. So we were kind of, you know, half joking, comparing him to some kind of love child between John Ross. And he said, I said, John Ross, he said, Curtis Samuel, it doesn't matter. The NFL loves speed and someone's going to draft him because he's fast. And um, I'm going to kick it because it gives me a nice segue into the guys that we are not leaving our rookie drafts without. And I'll segue mine into his teammate, Terry McLaren. Um, First heard the name a few weeks ago with guest on the show, Nick Whalen, and then I did a, a guest spot on another podcast, and Andy Singletary brought his name up as well. Saw him in the Senior Bowl, and it's been all downhill for me. Uh, he ran in the four threes as well at the Combine. The thing that I like about Terry McLaren more than I like about Parrish Campbell is I think he's a better route runner. I mean, as a matter of fact, I know he's a better route runner, and I, I know he's a bit old, and I know that the uh, the metrics and the breakout and the odds are stacked against him based off of the historical data. That's okay. I will reach up just a hair to grab him in all my rookie drafts because I'm a big fan. I like the dude. He's an Indianapolis guy. Maybe that's where I'm at. 
But uh, I'm going to kick this one back to Shane because uh, he's got one of the other bells of the ball. You see what I did there, Shane? Bell of the ball? <laughs> oh, wow. But see, that's 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 why you're a good podcast host. You know, there it is right there. Uh, <laughs> I was head super big. Thanks. You set me up for failure the next couple <laughs> of weeks. Quality transition. <laughs> um, yeah, look, my, I'm I'm taking Andy Isabella, the wide receiver from UMass, in, in every draft that, that I can get. Um, you know, you mentioned that that four three one forty time with Paris Campbell. Um, Isabella was a track star in high school. You you end up hearing like everywhere, right? He beat Denzel Ward in a, in a track meet in Ohio. Um, but you know, he he did everything else really well too. I mean, the shuttle time, three cone time, even had fifteen bench reps. Um, and and I thought the receiver drills, he was he was killing it. Like he he has dominated at every level that he's played. He was, he, you know, he was a, a dominant athlete in high school. He goes to UMass. He, he's a finalist for the Blitnikoff. He went to the senior bowl. He crushed it at the senior bowl. He goes to the combine. He is one of the best combines. Like what, well, when has this guy failed? And, and those are the, the players I, I'm going to take, like, I don't care what his size is. And that's the thing is what, what I also like in terms of a dynasty play is, People are going to discount him. I don't care where he goes. He's, he's not going to be a first-round NFL draft pick. He's going to go lower because of his size, uh, and and he's going to drop. You know, He's going to drop in rookie drafts because of it. You're going to have players in your dynasty league and say, this guy's too small, I'm not taking him. right? And, and we've seen a lot of small receivers end up coming out and being able to be productive fantasy dynasty players uh, year after year after year. So if I can get Andy Isabella in the back half of round one, I mean, I think right now he's going in the back half of round two. So uh, depending where he ends up, I mean, uh, he's someone I'm going to be trying to grab maybe at the top of round two. And uh, I think you're going to be able to parlay him into to a nice long career, making some big plays. I, I, I like that one a lot. Now I'm going to kick it over to Tim because Tim's very excited about three guys. So we're going to let him have three guys, but I have no transition for none of these names. Um, none. So, uh, except for maybe maybe one of them, our former Secretary of Defense. But uh, go ahead and give us your three your three guys you want to hit on that you're not leaving rookie drafts without. I I put in here I'm a rookie junkie, and it's the truth. Uh, I'll be quick about two and a little bit more elaborative on one. Ashton Doolin. Uh, I I live in Ohio. And I actually live fairly close to Malone University. So I've known the name for a little while. As I mentioned earlier, there's only a few players that hit that 90 production, 90 athletic profile for UTH. Ashton Doolin was actually one of the few that's done it. He's on that Miles Austin type of track as far as, uh, as, far as wide receivers late round that could really take off. Alexander Madison, uh, thick guy. Uh, has been a prolific uh, contributor in the receiving game. And he's from, even though it's crazy to think about, he's coming from a pipeline running back school. And just think Doug Martin, Jay Ajayi, Jeremy McNichols, even though he's floated around at different points. So his name's just been around. And now Alexander Madison. Uh, the final guy I'll mention, and he wasn't even at the Combine. He's actually working out this Friday at Nebraska's Pro Day. And I am right there with not Josh Norris from Roto World, Divino Zigbo. I think he may actually end up coming in as the best size adjusted athlete at the running back position in this class. And 
Story's great kid came into this year. Uh, he was on the undrafted track and uh, new head coach and Scott Frost. Scott Frost said, listen, kid, we're going to be running hard this year. You need to you need to drop some LBs and you need to really work on your burst and and uh, ability uh, to stay on the field. So stamina. And he dropped, I think it was like somewhere between 10 to 15 pounds. He played right around 215 to 20. And he looks like a one cut and go running back that Shanahan uh, type of system, Shanahan Kubiak, whoever type of system that he could just fit in. And he, he was good in the receiving game. And I, I still love when, Oh, it was the East West shrine game. They were given cutups. He, out of all of the running backs in all of the, whether it was the senior bowl, East West shrine game, whatever it was, he was the one running back that actually got people talking and buzzing. No one else could even give you a lift off. Well, th there you go. And I, I see, I, I wrote that down. So that that's kind of a running joke on the show with Jerry and I, we call those writer downers, write that down. I write down D divine, a Zigbo, you know, he's probably the only divine and I'm damn sure the only a Zigbo. I tried to find, I tried to find a, a, a transition between Alexander Madison and former secretary of defense, general James mad dog Mattis, but I, I couldn't do it. Jerry, tell us about Irv Gotti or Irv Smith. Best I got. <laughs> Irv Smith, tight end Alabama. He just, here's the thing. I am always a person that I always fall in love with tight ends, but I never take the popular tight ends. I, it, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how I was a hipster sort of in the sense that if someone really likes a tight end or anybody, I, I usually try and find a way to hate him. It, it, Lions fans want to take TJ Hawkinson at eight, and it just makes me not like him as much, even though he's awesome. Don't get me wrong. But Irv Smith, you know, he. I like Alabama tight ends. They know how to block. They can pass catch. He, he you know, he learned and played with OJ Howard. He's just, he's smooth. Oh, he was so smooth running everything at the combine. It just, it, it really warmed my heart. Like a warm cup of coffee in the morning when you wake up and it's four degrees outside because I live in Michigan for some. What Irv Smith did to me just watching him going through the gauntlet, just warm knife through butter, man. It was awesome. Well, okay. Well, but before we get into this last segment, you know what? Th th this next segment, we're all going to catch heat from somebody because all these guys have got their fans. But this next, this, this last thing we have is guys that we're not touching in our rookie drafts unless they're an absolute steal. And every one of these guys is going to draw heat because every one of these guys has got their fanboys out there. But I'm going to kick it back to Tim. Tim, talk about a running back that you're not taking unless he's an absolute steal in your upcoming rookie drafts, of which I know you'll be in several. Oh, people aren't going to like me for this one. I, I have no doubt. And it's David Montgomery. And boy, he, he ran a four, six, three, uh, granted he did come in at 510 220 plus, which, which is a good sign. He's been productive, uh, in not only as a rusher, but also in the passing game. I, I just don't see it. I, Every single clip that you watch when he hits the open field, he gets caught from behind. I understand playing running back is more about short area quickness and being able to make the right decision and having good vision. But you, the reason young people are able to play running back at, and translate that so quickly is because they are 
high-level athletes. When you're not a high-level athlete, you have to rely on something else. So it's instincts, it's vision, it's lateral agility, something other than just that that exceptional burst and um, burst and long speed. I I just don't see it from him. I I get it. He could he could easily turn out to be another Le'Veon Bell. He could be someone that has uh, that maybe adds another dimension. If, if everyone gets their wish and he goes on early day three to the Kansas city chiefs, people are going to tell me how quickly I'm wrong, but he's someone that unless I'm getting a deal, like at the end of the first round, uh, maybe even start of second round, it's not going to be me taking that shot. Well, I can't say I hate it. Um, I like Montgomery, but it would take the perfect landing spot. So I'm willing to take some of that heat. So when you at Tim on Twitter, at Memphis as well, uh, I'm, I'm going to th- I'm going to throw it to uh, Jerry because you've also got arguably in like a one QB league who a guy who could be the 102, 103 landing spot, maybe even the 101. Uh, Jerry, tell us about Josh Jacobs and why you're uh, fading him in drafts. It's not that I don't even dislike Josh Jacobs. He does lots of things well. I just don't see anything that is spectacular that he does. He's he's efficient, and he's good. He can get you yardage, and he can get you touchdowns, and he can catch the ball, which is all good. But we're talking 101. We're talking 102, 103. There is a lot of wide receivers I would prefer over vanilla ice cream Josh Jacobs. You know, I we got so many moose tracks and Superman ice cream wide receivers in here. Just taking the vanilla ice cream that quick just does it just bothers me. It, no one when you're at the ice cream shop picks the plain vanilla, and that's what Josh Jacobs is to me. I just I don't like it. Listen, I like him, and if I I will have him on teams because I do think he's good, and I think he'll translate to the NFL. I just think 101 and 102 is a bit crazy. And, you know, I just, I don't, I don't like doing that. He just doesn't, he doesn't feel like he's going to be there for a long time. He actually, he, his production is very similar to Kenyon Drake. And, you know, Kenyon Drake's had a little bit of a career, not 101 career, not 102 career. You know, he's better than him. Don't get me wrong. I just, it scares me, guys. I just bash me all you want, but that's, that's where I'm at on Jacobs. Jerry said he's not here for a long time. He's here for a good time. So, Shane, tell us about your guy. The, the 101, the, 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 from what I've seen, borderline, uh, you're going to be tied with my guy for the 101 in uh, non-Superflex leagues. Tell us about your guy. Yeah, so so I'm going with with Nkeel Harry, the wide receiver from Arizona State. And, and I don't disagree with what Tim said earlier in the podcast, you know, I, I think that there, there is something to be said for Harry. Um, so my, my picks kind of twofold, you know, first for Harry as a player, I think he's a good player. I think he had a great combine. I, I just question if he's going to be special. I question a lot of these top receivers. They're going to be a special player. I thought he struggled a little bit in some of the drills with his footwork, with his concentration. Um, he did not run the, the, 20 yard shuttle. He did not run the three cone drill. Hmm. I wonder why that is. Uh, so uh, as, as we'll see when, when Memphis talks about his guy, uh, perhaps those numbers would not have been as good. Perhaps that could have knocked down that athletic profile a little bit. And, and I like Harry. I, I think he's going to be good. Is he going to be elite uh, when we're talking about the one Oh one? And I think it is a bigger problem. Just Harry uh, to me, 
I don't want the 101. I don't want the 102. I don't think there are players that are insanely better in this draft in that, and you know, that uh, you're taking that high. Like, like I, I think everyone we talked about is, is fair game to say, man, I'm not taking those players that high. They really need to fall. So I would much rather trade back and you might not be able to do that because no one wants these guys. I have a lot of guys I, I love in that kind of mid to late first into the second round. And um, take, would I rather have Harry at the 101 or, or am I going to take Akeem Butler at the at the end of the first? Like, you know, it's not even a question to me. So um, I think it's just the top of this draft, and and I don't like this draft as a whole. Uh, I think there's more depth than top end talent. That's why I've been gobbling up 2020 picks everywhere I can um, instead. So um, that, that's kind of my thing with Harry's. I, I don't know if he's going to be an elite player. That yes, he's my one on one. I'm taking him, and I'm going to have a stud for the next ten years. This this isn't Julio Jones or AJ Green. Uh, I, I don't feel as super confident about it. Well, I, I like in in Keel Harry. If I had to choose between your guy and my guy, I'm taking in Keel every day in the week, and that's DK Metcalf. So listen, I saw the pictures on Twitter. I'm a gym bro. I dig it. Got got a six pack, a big set of arms on him. Good for you, bud. But I'm not drafting a bodybuilder, and I'm not drafting Olympian sprinters. And that's what he looked like to me more so than anything else. Go back and look at pictures of, uh, oh, I think it's Tim Montgomery, who was a United States sprinter, and, and guys like that. I mean, that's what he looks like. But, but you know what? That, that, that short shuttle and that three cone, that bothers me. Again, the only tight end that ran a slower um, three cone than him was Nada, the guy from, from Georgia. And, and that bothers me. Again, he could land in the perfect position. If he lands on the Colts, I'm going to have to root for him because I'm a Colts fan. But I'm not drafting bodybuilders. I'm not drafting Olympic sprinters. And you know what? I think we're downplaying the neck injury. If you've ever even tweaked your neck, I know he's been medically cleared. But you know what? And I'm going to fanboy for just a second. So the very first Dynasty podcast I ever downloaded was the Dynasty Nerds, but the second was the Under the Helmet podcast, and I've listened for a long time. And now I know they say that playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. But you know what? I also listened to the show long enough to know that you've got to get sustainable value out of your first-round pick. And that's something that I've taken from them and molded into my personal philosophy. I don't mind taking big swings in rounds two through five. If I have multiple first-round picks, I don't mind taking a big swing with one of them. But where I think I would have to draft DK Metcalf, I don't. I, I think I'm taking too big of a swing. And I, I don't want to risk not getting that year-after-year year return, even in a down class, uh, of a guy like DK Metcalf. So that's why I'm out on him. I'm not out on him at like the 107 in a super flex, maybe the 106, the 105 in a one QB league or a non tight end premium type league. But I've got to get sustainable, returnable year after year asset value. And I know his ceiling is super high, but his floor is non-existent. So for that reason, I am out on DK Metcalf. So I feel like, I feel like I'm uh, that, that one guy on the shark tank. And for that reason, I'm out. So real quick, we're running a little bit long. We've got just enough time. We can throw out a quick blurb. Uh, let's do a quick two-round non-tight end premium that breaks my heart, but we we got to break this dynasty audience in slowly into making sure more people are playing Superflex. Um, so, Shane, real quick, if, if you were on the clock with the 101 in a Superflex draft, who would you take 101 right now? Uh, it, it's tough, and I, I hate it. Uh, like I said, I hate that 101. I, I think I would probably take Josh Jacobs um just i would play it safe and take josh jacobs here i'll take the vanilla ice cream and uh, <laughs> at least know that i'm getting something out of that 101 pick uh because i don't love my other options here 
I, I see Tim typing. Tim, who are you taking on this document? I'll take Kyler Murray. Uh, he's quarterback. I, I'm expecting him to go 101. And if he goes 101, those guys have longevity of usually about uh, eight or nine years. If I. <laughs> All right, Jerry, who are you taking with the uh, 103? I see who you're writing in there. Yeah, I wrote some bad words, which is why you got Randy to chuckle while I did it. Hakeem Butler, he's my wide receiver one. He's a monster, and I'm taking my guy, you know, and Hakeem Butler's my guy. He's quick, he's big, he's fast. He's a bad MF-er. He's, that's, that's what his wallet says. It's the one that says MF-er on it. The, he's, got, he's got Samuel L. Jackson's wallet from Pulp Fiction. If you don't know what we're talking about, throw Samuel L. Jackson wallet Pulp Fiction in the Google machine and hit images. And don't have kids around. Uh, at the 104, I'm taking the vanilla ice cream of wide receivers, and I'm taking Enkeel Harry. Um, I agree with Shane in that he may not have the elite upside potentially as like a Julio Jones or an A.J. Green, unless he were to land with like an Andrew Luck or a really, really, really talented quarterback. But I, I'm going to take the safe play, and I'm going to go Enkeel Harry. Shane, your backup, uh, what would you do? Now, this team would be uh, independent of your first pick. So uh, who is your 105? I, I think I'd go David Montgomery here. Um, I think I would take him another kind of safe play, but I think this is a nice spot uh, for him at the 105, depending on where he ends up. You know, if it's a good situation, I think, I think this is where he could uh, he could go. And, and I'll, I'll take a safe running back again. All right, Tim, back up with the 106. Boy, I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'll take the second quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, he should – I wouldn't be surprised if he also goes very high in the NFL draft. If he ends up a team like the New York Giants, as you kind of alluded to earlier, uh, I couldn't imagine being a rookie with those type of weapons, having, having Odell Beckham Jr., Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard. It, it's just – a it would be a wonderland of of targets for for a young quarterback. So, sign me up for that one. All right, Jerry, back on the clock. One oh seven. That's tough. I would have gone Dwayne Haskins right there. You know what? Let's go Miles Sanders. I I am also agreeing with you that I would not take DK Metcalf super early. Actually, right right around here is probably where I would take him. But I'm going to take the guy that I like again. I'm just going to keep going with my gut because I I think I've gone a little crazy with my two picks with Hakeem Butler at 103 and Miles Sanders at 107. But those are my guys and I like them and I'll die, you know, picking my guys rather than dying picking someone else's. I'm up with the 108 and this is a spot where I wouldn't mind taking DK Metcalf if his teammate AJ Brown wasn't still on the board. I'll take AJ Brown um, one thing, I mean, you, you have to have, I don't want to say like an ethos, but you have to have like a core set of beliefs. And I think that, um, I, I believe in route running, you know, we talked with Matt Waldman last week and he's, he's not so sure that route running improves a whole lot from college to the pros. He thinks it does a little bit, but not a ton. And I agree. I think AJ Brown's a more complete package than DK Metcalf. So at this point, that's who I'm taking. Shane? DK Metcalf with a with a burning passion. Um, I'll take him here. Like I'll I'll take the shot at the one hundred nine with a guy with that that size and speed. I, you know, I guess it's worth a shot to to hit Metcalf at the one hundred nine. So I, I'm happy. I'm happy to get him, even though he's he's going to be trash. Yeah. But it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, one hundred nine is waiting. Per- that's awesome if you can get him there. 
I, 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 right see, I see Tim. Uh, Tim's going to crack the seal in a position we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, I'll take Noah Font, and he's actually my my fourth rookie overall in terms of standard non-superflex valuation. And Noah Font, great size-adjusted athlete, expected to go in the first round, good college uh, producer as far as the receiving game, and also a uh, great, great, great uh touchdown scorer at Iowa. So I, I'm excited to see where he lands, and I love that I got him this late in the first round. All right. Uh, Jerry, uh, I see you typing, Jerry. So uh, yeah. who you got with we the 111? Went, I went Debo Samuel just to round out my last 101 – or first-round pick, excuse me. Wide receiver out of South Carolina. Big, fast, good. I like him. Awesome name, too. I mean, a first-round name for sure. Uh, for Debo. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Tim's picks, college teammate, and I'm going to go with TJ Hawkinson. Um, it's hard for rookie tight ends to produce right away. I would take him considerably higher in a tight end premium league, like around the 106, 107. But I will take him based on this fact. He's a very good blocker. And whether you're a running back or a tight end as a rookie, if you want to get on the field, which is how you score fantasy points, you have to be able to block. And this guy blocks. And, and he enjoys blocking. So um, I think that'll translate. I like his overall game. So at the 112, I'm going TJ Hawkinson. Shane, with the 201, sir. I'm really happy to get Kelvin Harmon here at the 201. I mean, I, I, think, he, uh, I think he exhibits a lot of the qualities of you know maybe a number two receiver on a team in the NFL, I think you can have uh, a lot of catches. Um, so I think Kelvin Harmon, a lot of a lot of smart people that, that really like him, and, and I'm definitely I'm definitely maybe not one of the smart people, but I'm definitely one that likes him to contribute from day one. So, so two hundred one. All right, looks like it's uh it's back to uh, back to Tim with the two hundred two. You guys make me so happy if this is really the way rookie drafts end up going out. And at 202, I'll take Damian Harris, Alabama running back. And you can say whatever you want about they haven't been really, really strong producers so far. But I have Mark Ingram, Kenyon Drake was a solid running back last year. Trent Richardson had his day in the sun once upon a time. And Josh Jacobs is possibly going to even go in the first round. I have Damian Harris pegged as a day two running back right now. And I, I love being able to get him here. Great value. Um, and I will say this as a, as a Colts fan, you and I share that in common as that's a, a distaste for Trent Richardson. Jerry, who do you have uh, on your, uh, your two Oh three? Uh, I really like Shane's pick of Kelvin Harmon. I just wanted to throw that out there. Cause if he lands in a great spot, that would be an absolute thievery at its finest. But at two Oh three, I went Rodney Anderson. You know, it, injuries are a problem with him, but the skill set is just awesome. You watch him in the Rose Bowl against Georgia, who had Roquan Smith. He dominated. He went blow for blow with Sony Michelle in Sony Michelle's best game. The dude is good. 203 is a good spot for him. It's not risky enough. It's still sort of a dart throw pick. And if he hits, he's going to hit big. Yep. And I, I, I would have taken him here, but this is two rookie. Mock drafts, I've gotten this guy right around this range uh, in back-to-back -back mock drafts, and that's Drew Locke. This is a super flex league. I do believe that Denver takes him 10th overall, and when an NFL team invests a, a top 10 pick, unless it's Drew Rosen, sorry, I'm sorry, Josh Rosen, um, he typically gets the, break, the Blake Bortles leash. So I think he gets three or four years there in Denver. Um, I see it being a lot like the Browns and Baker, not to that level of success. But, you know, they bring in Joe Flacco, he starts the season, draft Drew Locke in the top 10, and then somewhere in the, you know, 
in season, Drew Locke takes over. A starting QB in Superflex is key. So if I can get a starting QB at the 204, I'm in. And that puts us back to Shane at the 205. 205, I'll take Andy Isabella here. I'm just saying, none of you guys have taken the player you're not leaving your rookie drafts without, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to take mine. So just, uh, I don't know, just getting to the, the end of this rookie draft. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> All right. Well, t- Tim, oh, Tim, you dirty dog. Because that was going to be the, that was going to be the two hundred eight. Tim, uh, who was the two hundred six? <laughs> two hundred six is Justice Hill, electric athlete, uh, burned up the combine, and boy, I'll I'll take him here. I'm happy happy to do it. That's the, that's thievery at its finest. I was like, he's going to slip to me again. He slipped to me the other night in the Dynasty Happy Hour mock draft. Good for you at the two hundred six, Jerry. Two hundred seven, please. Daryl Henderson. He is a lightning bolt. I I have worries that, you know, maybe he'll go down a little easier in the NFL, but at 207, like I said, with the last pick, we're just throwing darts at this point. The, the chance they hit and have top 24 seasons is about 50, 50. So I'll take someone that is just a burner and just looked so good. And I just, I just want to see him. I'm just rooting for him. That's why I'm picking him. Yeah. I think that's a good pick. And that would have been another, cause as people who know me, um, I would love to give credit to this. Like I gave credit to the under the helmet group for helping me develop some of my personal dynasty philosophies. Somewhere along the way, I heard someone say draft running backs and trade for wide receivers. But in this case, uh, I'm going to draft JJ Argasiga, Whiteside. Um, he didn't do anything at the combine, so you're not getting a lot of buzz about him right now. But this is a monster of a man, and I've seen him mock draft to teams like the Colts. If this guy lands with Andrew Luck as a red zone option. Um, could, could be a huge steal. So uh, we'll see where he lands in the draft. But for right now, I'm willing to gamble on Arcega Whiteside. Shane, your last pick at the 209. I think Daniel Jones, the, the quarterback from Duke in, in a super flex league, it looks more and more likely Jones is going to go in the first round, maybe in the top half of the first round. And even though I, I don't really like him, and I learned last year, I don't really like, I didn't really, really like Josh Allen. He was falling really far because people were kind of bashing him and look what happened, you know? So I think in a super flex end of the second, early third, if there's a quarterback that went in the first round. You just got to draft him. Well, well, Tim, Tim's sticking with his guy. Tim, tell us about which one of those running backs that you loved earlier that you're going home with. I was, I was told that I should pick the guy that I'm not, that I refuse to leave a draft without. And I will take him here. Divina Zigbo. I, I went through him plenty earlier, but just mark his name down. I expect him to have a hell of a day on Friday. All right, Jerry. I uh, I see you're ready with the 211. Your last pick? I am, and I'm not picking the guy I'm leaving a draft with. It's too early for me to go with that tight end. I'm going to go Mike Weber running back Ohio Great State. Great pick. Great pick. He, he came out, ran in four fours, I believe, the, or four five one or something. He just super productive, did well against my freaking Spartans every single game, and they always had good defenses, did well against Michigan his career. You know, he the man's good, and he tested well at the Combine. At the end of the second, thank you. Yeah, and, and I'm going to wrap this up with a guy who also couldn't do much at the Combine due to a, a foot injury, and that's Marquise Hollywood-Brown out of Oklahoma. This is the kind of spot in my drafts where I'm willing to take big swings. This guy could be – that's a lot of O's in Hollywood, by the way, Jerry. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm taking him because, you know, I think his upside could be a Deshaun Jackson type. And you know what? If he busts out at the 212, 
not a huge investment. So this is where I'm willing to swing for that big season. So at 212, I'm taking Hollywood Brown. And that's the end of our mock draft. And this is a little bit longer of a podcast than we normally do. But we don't normally have two awesome guests like this, like we do with Tim and Shane. So I'm going to turn it over to Shane. Shane, tell us, because uh, I didn't give you your intro, but you know I was reading your resume over there at thefakepigskins.com. Let's see here. You are their fantasy football analyst, their NFL draft analyst, college football analyst, Dynasty analyst, Devi analyst. You wear a lot of hats over there, sir. Tell us what's going on with you in the uh, the fantasy world. No, th- thanks for having me, guys. It was awesome. It's always fun to, to talk football. And, yeah, fakepixin.com. I- I've been doing um, a lot of Devi work, you know, probably over the summer and into the course of uh, the college football season. I'll be doing a lot more um, Devi work for them. I've been also doing some writing for, for draftsite.com and doing some future mock drafts for them. So um, it hasn't really ha- quite come to fruition yet, but it's going to be coming in the next couple months. I'll be doing the 2020, 2021, 2022 mock drafts. Uh, so we're, we're – we're going hard. Look, I've I've been scouting up through 2025, so we'll uh, we'll keep keep it rolling. What? Holy, Jared! So so <laughs> so a, a little secret. Wow. If if you stuck around this long, you you deserve to hear it. So Jerry and I are working on some bonus content, uh, some Patreon stuff, and uh, Jerry's going to do some Devi stuff. We're going to you know loosely title it the Devi the Devi War Zone. So we'll definitely have to get you back on with Jerry, and you guys can talk about the class of twenty. You can you, talk listen, the class of twenty twenty five seventh graders. And uh, I'm gonna kick it back to Tim. So Tim, you, as you going know, tenth grade. It's it's fine. Going to tenth grade. It's good. Uh, and, and Tim. So uh, obviously under the helmet, we, we love you there, but uh, tell us everything that's going on in, in, in your dynasty world. Yeah, I am co-host of under the helmet podcast. I, I every now and then do some written content over there. Uh, FF statistics is where you can find my written content. Uh, we're doing a lot of prospect prospect profiles and some things coming down the pipe. And then I also work with uh, the Browns wire, putting out Browns news and assisting with some of their prospect profiles over there as well. Awesome. Jerry, anything to add before we take this thing home? No, that was awesome. This is going to come out tomorrow, which is Wednesday. 50 Wednesday. days till the draft. Let's go. Five zero days. By the way, I got uh, executive permission, and by executive I mean the wife, to uh, go to the 2020 draft in Vegas. So uh, I'll be looking forward to that one too. But uh, Tim, you can find Tim on Twitter at TimNFL. Is that correct? Yes. And Shane, where can they find you on the Twitter? Shane P. Hallam. Shane P. Hallam, and then Jerry's at Jerryson uh, DFF, and I'm at DFF Memphis. So on behalf of all these wonderful guys, uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for making it the, uh, the extra, extra large edition, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.